Charmed. And welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life with me, Serena Shahidi. Hello, how is everybody doing? I hope the answer is well, or good, depending on if you really believe in grammar or not. Happy early Valentine's Day to all who celebrate. And you know what? Happy early Galentine's Day to all the gals who celebrate. I'm going to be going to, I think it's Galentine's Day. I got invited via Instagram DM by Magnolia Bakery, which is one of the only well-known brands that seems to really love me as a person. They invited me to like a Galentine's Day dinner, which I'm excited for. And I'm bringing my friend. And I was so close to being like, hey, I know this is Galentine's Day I can bring a, a gay man as my plus one, right? That's okay for Valentine's Day. But then I was like, Magnolia Bakery, they get it. They understand. There's something, you know, there's something in that banana pudding that really makes you think they understand the bond between gals, even when the two of you aren't necessarily literally both gals. So I'll be doing that... I don't know about Valentine's Day itself. Maybe I'll just watch some movies. Although it's in, what, a little less than a week? I have time. Who's to say I'll be spending Valentine's Day alone? Who knows? You never know. I'm, I'm feeling very zen right now. I don't know if you can tell. I'm feeling very zen right now. I just did some yoga in my room did this is what I consider like a whole yoga session is just 10 minutes yoga with Adrian in my room but that's big for me because I haven't really been moving my body a whole hell of a lot so I'm trying to change that a bit and I like yoga yoga is fun it it's like almost a workout but not and it's also almost meditation, but not. So you can kind of excuse not doing either of those things. And it's also fun as someone who gets dizzy very easily when they're moving around and when they're putting their head in the air above their neck where it usually is. I get very dizzy. But with yoga, it's kind of in a fun way. It's kind of like my vision is sort of gray the entire time. It's almost like yoga is a disassociative drug of some sort. Like when I'm doing yoga, I'm never really there, right? I'm never really in the location that I'm actually at. I'm sort of in another space mentally and emotionally and visually. I'm seeing stars. I should probably go back to the doctor, shouldn't I? But it's fun sometimes not feeling like you're on earth. So I'm back to trying to move my body around I'm also back in school. I'm back. Who would have thunk? I'll tell you who, who thunked, actually. That psychic that I went to, I've said this, that told me that I would be in and out of school until I was about 30. It does appear as if that will be the case. So I'm back part-time. I've had one week so far, which is really just, it's one, I'm taking three classes, one day of two classes and then one that's just online, like not even virtual Zoom, thank God, but just they post whatever on Blackboard. Remember Blackboard? 
people who are out of school. I forgot about Blackboard, but here I am back on it. I am enjoying it so far because it's nice to have concrete things to do. It's nice to, first of all, have a location that you have to show up to at a specific time because I don't have a lot of that. And when I do, it's at night and I mean, mostly that isn't even really a specific time. Really, what kind of party am I going to where somebody's like, be here at nine o'clock on the dot, as if it's a second grade birthday party? People always make me laugh, by the way, when they talk about if they're putting out a time that people are supposed to arrive somewhere, like the time a party starts, for example, they're like, oh, that is the time that you should be arriving. No sooner and no later. Because in real life, if you guys have ever been in real life, somebody's throwing a party I was at a party the other night, showed up an hour after it started, and I was an early bird. That's how it works. Nobody wants you to show up on time. What, are you having dinner with somebody's parents? That's life, babe. But I like having somewhere to show up. I like... The thing about school that's fun is you have concrete things to do. Those professors will give you a list of exactly what you need to get done for the week, that doesn't happen in adulthood. Even in college, when you're working or you're interning, it doesn't happen then either. When I was an intern, or when I was a waitress, or whatever the hell else I did, you'd think I knew what I was supposed to be doing at any given time? Absolutely not. And nobody does. They don't warn you about that. Nobody does. They say, work hard, Get things done that you need to get done. And then nobody tells you what you actually need to get done. Unless you're in school, which is what's nice about it. Plus the classes I'm taking. I love to have silly, easy things to do. And it's very much that. And I don't mean to be one of those people, like in elementary school, when you were doing an assignment and somebody was like, this is so easy. Does anybody think... Any, anybody else think that this is so easy? And even if it is, it's like, come on, you're being a bitch. That, that second grader, she's being a bitch. That's what I was thinking when I was a fellow second grader. Not now. I don't think that way about children most of the time. But what I do have to do, it is really easy. What I love about FIT is that they will have three-hour classes about nothing at all. Those lecture classes, you will sit there. How many minutes is three hours? You will sit there for 180 minutes and not hear a damn thing. Like you'll hear things. There's sound. There's somebody speaking, but you're not really hearing anything. I don't know. Maybe uh, I think maybe I just don't pay attention is the thing. That might just be the situation that we're in. But I do feel good about going back to school and I feel good about going back. I'm realistic this time. For the entirety of my education, every single semester I would be like, it's different now. It's different now. Things have changed. I'm a different girl. I have color-coded folders now. So I'm not going to make the same mistakes that I used to make. I have a fresh notebook. Why would I repeat the same habits from before? That makes no sense. I've pastel highlighters now. I'm a new girl. I will be using this planner. Thank you so much. This time I'm going into it 
I'm like, let me get by. Let me do what needs to be done and let me get by. I'll tell you, first day of class, my three to six class, you better believe I was in there Googling happy hours near me. I'm no longer in denial of who I am. That's who I am as a student. I actually, I got so bored in one of my classes. No offense to the professor at all. Not their fault. Girl, I started outlining a screenplay in my notes app, just looking like I was taking notes. I don't know how to write a goddamn screenplay, but I do have what I think is a very good idea for one that I won't give away completely. I don't want anybody who actually knows how to write a screenplay to take my idea, but it is a dark comedy about a scam. And I'm sure there are a few of those out there, but this has kind of been modernized for startup culture. Can you imagine if I actually got this done just working through two, three-hour classes a week? It's so funny. I feel like, I mean, I and probably everybody else have a fantasy of just being involved with movies, writing or acting or something like that. But then I remember, oh, movies? That's Hollywood. Hollywood? The place where, like, Captain America lives? I don't want to engage with that. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I'm wrong. I do, of course, have that fantasy. But it's also the same thing of when you have a celebrity crush, you see someone in a movie, you're like, oh, I would love to date that sexy fella. And then you remember... Oh, that's a celebrity. Like, that's... Ugh. If we did, in some universe, end up dating, we would probably be meeting on Raya or something. Disgusting. That's an actor. Ooh. But I do, of course, regularly convince myself that I could make it in the City of Angels. I don't think I could uh, literally make it in the City of Angels as far as I know you have to drive. So I don't know if I could survive living there. But I feel like I could be a star. I think I could achieve that. I'm also convinced that I could be like the ultimate pop star. Not the ultimate pop star because I can't dance. That isn't even something that I can delude myself into thinking that I would be able to accomplish well. But if I took voice lessons... Many would be scared, and they would be right for it. And I bet I could write, too, because someone, someone like an Ariana Grande, and I think she's lovely. I think she's fabulous. She's a great singer, but those songs, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Her songs, she sounds great, but the lyrics are like, uh, Baby, I can't get enough of you. Can't tell you all the things I want to do. Like, it's very that. I think I could do that. I wouldn't dance. I also wouldn't have the energy to tour. But who needs that? Concert tickets cost rent money now. So who would buy those anyway? Okay, I would like to discuss something. Because you guys know that I love reading vintage etiquette books and things like that. But... We can discuss some modern etiquette rules as well, as we did, of course, with Countess Luann's book, which is obviously a must-read. The Cut, 
Love, recently came out with a list of modern-day etiquette tips written, I believe, by a bunch of the people who write for them. But I want to go through a few of the ones that I find most interesting. Some I agree with, some I disagree with, one I very much disagree with. But let's start with this one that I love, okay? Don't be loudly naive about dating apps if you're in a relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, You may think that asking basic questions about their newfangled dating apps, so which way do you swipe again, shows interest and engagement in their love lives, but your wide-eyed curiosity could just as easily come across as patronizing, and as a subtle reminder of your own blissful insulation from the dumpster fire that is app dating. Oh, yes. Yes, this is such a pet peeve of mine. If you're someone in a relationship, no matter how long you've been in that relationship, if you've missed dating apps altogether, which is the type of person that I specifically have in mind, you know how apps work. You don't have to do the whole song and dance of, oh, so you see their name and pictures of them and their bio? Please. Who are we kidding here? Apps didn't come out yesterday. They're in movies now. You see Tinder on television, you know exactly how it works. It's just an app. Yes, the heart button is for when you like someone. Yes, the red X is for when you don't like someone. Do we really need to pretend like you have no idea? Why do they do that? I think maybe they're trying to prove that they're not cheating on their partners by being like, what's a dating app? I've never used that. You've seen it. Well, I've been in a, in a relationship for so long, I missed the dating apps. I'm so sad they look so fun. No, they don't. They aren't fun. And I'm not talking about being single in general. I'm not saying, oh, it's terrible to be out here and not be in a relationship. Where am I even going to find someone? I am not one of those people at all. But if we're talking about dating apps specifically... You know it's horrible. You know it's garbage. It's like going to someone's shitty apartment and being like, I wish I lived here. This is fabulous. Just say it's cozy. You don't have to say all that. You don't have to pretend like you're jealous. Dating apps are terrible. Not every experience on there is terrible. I've met some great guys on dating apps. But the apps themselves, it's awful. You can meet someone on a dating app and have the absolute best date of your life with them. But the process before that, when you're like, God, who is he in this group picture? And does he always dress like that? And then you have to respond to their message being like, what do you do for fun? That part isn't fun. The actual app aspect of it. And also, I feel like guys especially can very much be like, Wow, I wish I had been on there. I could have gotten so many dates. I could have gotten so many girls if I were on the apps. Well, you didn't when you weren't on the apps. What makes you think this would change anything? The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass on this side maybe has a few flowers, but it has weeds, garbage, horse manure, pieces of shattered glass, broken beer bottles. It's not great. 
You don't need to pretend like it's fun. Next one. It's acceptable to tell any kind of lie in order to leave a drink state. If the conversation is so painful you're considering making up a story about a sick animal, your date will probably feel relieved. Yes. Yes. But the key thing here that I'm glad they emphasize, it has to be a drink state. That is key. Because choosing to go for drinks is very intentional, at least on the first date. It is chosen very much on purpose. We are not utterly convinced by each other's hinge profiles that we're twin flames. So we're going to do a drink state. And if there's nothing there, we'll wrap it up after the first drink. Dinner, you can't just make up an excuse in the middle of a dinner date just because you're not feeling it. It has to be something bad. If you're leaving a dinner date, which I have, but the key was I stormed out. Do I remember why? No. But I was mad about something. If you're on a dinner date and you're just not having great conversation, you gotta stick it out. At least until they ask if you want to see the dessert menu, and that's when you say no. But you don't leave when you've already ordered the entrees. Next, and this is perhaps controversial, but I agree with it. It's okay to ghost after one date. You could send a text letting them down gently, but it's also fine to say nothing. At this point, neither of you has put so much energy into the interaction that it warrants a formal ending. And besides, nobody likes getting rejected by somebody they didn't care that much about in the first place. There are exceptions, though. If you've been texting a lot after the date, or you've clearly talked about going on another one, then there is a social contract to not ghost. Quickly say goodbye and good luck and get out of there. Yes. I think it's ridiculous. If you had one little date with somebody, especially if you met on an app or something, like you haven't had much interaction with them outside of that, there is no need at all to send a text that's like, hey, I had fun the other night, but I'm not really feeling anything romantic with us going forward. Maybe we can still be friends. And I wish you good luck in the future. For what? For what? My thing is, if you just went on one date with somebody, you spent two hours together, not wanting a second date is barely a rejection. You don't know each other. You probably just don't have much of a connection. It's really not personal. It's not much of a rejection at all, but you're making it one as soon as you send that text. It could have been just a mutual fizzling out, especially if it's clear on the date that you guys aren't really feeling each other. You're pulling a, I'm not fired, I quit. It almost feels smug. Like, I'm rejecting you, even though there was basically an understanding that this wouldn't go any further, but now I am choosing to reject you, and it's the mature thing to do. This is actually me being a great person by not ghosting you. The guy I shared two cocktails and many uncomfortable silences with. I'm such a great person for this. Just don't say at the end of the date, just don't say anything about doing it again. This was fun. Get home safe. That's all you need. Don't, don't be all theatrical with it. Okay, when casually asked how you are, say, good, 
It's neutral and doesn't force someone to endure a trauma dump or a spiel on how the world is up in flames. This I would disagree with if we're talking about good friends, but this is under the strangers and others category, so I do agree with it. If you know someone well, that's a different story. Oh, it's so fun when they're like, how have you been? To just be like, ugh, terrible. And then it's like, God, I know. And you're bonding. But, ugh, especially, I mean, don't do this in general. But especially if I don't know you, I don't want to hear that about the world is on fire. I talked about this. Was that last episode? Oh, I hate those people. How have I been doing? Um, well, uh, climate change is a thing. So bad. Honey, we live in the same world. You don't have to complain that the world is on fire. I'm aware of climate change. I know movies are terrible now. I wonder if that's a new phenomenon in, like, COVID, post-Trump America, or if back in the day people were like, How am I? Well, there's a goddamn cold war going on. How about that? How have I been? Well, there's a potato famine. So I've been bad. Actually, that person sounds kind of fun. They sound kind of silly. Okay. Never ask anyone what their job is. It's classist and boring. Try three other topics first. I mean, this is a bit dramatically phrased, I think it's okay at times to ask somebody what their job is. But I think it's best practice to not have that be the first question, which is hard because it's very standard, especially in New York, to meet someone and immediately be like, what's your name? Okay, what do you do? And it does come across a little bit like, how much money do you make? And what can you do for me? I witness it from influencers all the time and you always know exactly what they're trying to do but I think even if you're at as I occasionally am like an influencer party you can wait a beat before asking something like that you can ask how somebody's night is going it is hard though because I get curious I am just someone who wants to know exactly what everybody is doing with their time at all times I think because I don't really know what I'm doing with my time. Like, I can never quite figure out where it's going. So there's nothing I would love more than just receiving from every person on Earth a schedule of, like, every minute of a day in their lives. And not, oh, I worked from 9 to 5, because that means nothing. To be like, I worked on my marketing job all day. Honey, minute by minute, I want to know. When were you replying to emails? What were you talking about in that meeting? When were you spending some time dilly-dallying? I want to know all about that. But I think it's better to ask instead of what do you do for a living? What do you do for fun? Do you come to parties like this often? Is this what you do for fun? That kind of thing. It's lighter. It's something people actually want to talk about. Especially, I mean, if you're really trying to social climb... There you go, because successful people are going to love that. They're sick and tired of talking about their job. They want to talk about what do successful people do? Golf? Collect stuff? Talk about that. You can ask what they do later on. Next one I very much disagree with. 
very much. Oof. Don't feel bad about standing up in the aisle immediately upon the plane landing. Flying is bad enough already. Do what you can to make things better for yourself. Just don't knock down elderly people on the way. You might as well. You might as well, if you're standing in the aisle of a plane as soon as it lands, you might as well knock down a few old people. Because you're a monster. That is perfectly aligned with your behavior so far. And how does it make anything better for you? How is that easier to be that person? Because then you're either going to be like hovering over your seat, if you're in a middle seat or a window seat, or you're going to be standing in the aisle just watching everybody glare at you. And there's still half a plane full of people who need to get out before you do. That's not easier. You sit until it's time to stand. And the time to stand is not as soon as the plane lands. The time to stand is when the people in front of you are standing and starting to leave. The thing about flying, there is only like a handful of etiquette rules that you have to follow. It's not something like having a formal dinner where there's a million things. There's a handful of things. But the difference is, dinner, if you fold your napkin wrong on your lap and there's visible lipstick stains on it, you're fine. As far as flying goes, you have to follow those rules. You gotta. That's your only job. I dated a guy once. We were traveling, and he was an aisle stander. I discovered that he was an aisle stander. That was who he was. And it explained so much. And I wish that I had really taken that to heart in terms of whether or not I continued to date him. Because dating an aisle stander, that has to be a Seinfeld episode. If that's not a Seinfeld episode, I would be shocked. Because we know Jerry, he loves to break up with people over little things, and he loves airplane humor, baby. So don't do that one, and also, how dare you? The next one, I love. Avoid vague and cliche euphemisms for your privilege. We're comfortable? Leave it in the 90s. Be forthright or say nothing. They've already noticed. That's the key. We've already noticed. You don't need to be saying all this gobbledygook. Is that how the phrase goes? Gobbledygook? Something like that. You don't need to be saying all this. I'm in your apartment. I had to press the number 34 on the elevator. You have two whole walls that are fully made up of windows. I know you have money. Why do rich people think that people who don't have money are completely oblivious to the fact that money buys goods and services? You're pulling out your six Dyson air wraps and going, yeah, my family does okay for ourselves. Just don't bring it up at that point. I already know we have an understanding, but it's more important to bring it up if you're talking money with somebody, that's different. I don't want to have a whole conversation with you where I'm like, yeah, I'm not eating eggs anymore because they're $26 a carton. Come to find out when you walk away that you're the son of a billionaire. What are we doing here? If anybody listening to this has money and doesn't know how to say it, say, I have money. That's all you have to say. You don't have to be like, yeah, bitch, I'm a rich bitch, bitch. But if it comes up, 
Yeah, I have this nice place. My parents have some money, so that's nice. There we go. Okay, here's a good way to handle yourself when being introduced to a famous person. Your friend. This is my boyfriend, Pete. It's Pete Davidson. Because of course it is. You. Oh, of course. So nice to meet you. It's weird to pretend you don't know who they are, and unless you're a true fan, saying you love their work just feels disingenuous. That's perfect. That's a perfect phrase to use. Oh, of course. I remember once, I think on Twitter, reading this little anecdote about meeting Jeff Goldblum. I think it was a man who had met him at some party, and they were introduced, and Jeff Goldblum was like, oh, uh, I don't know what his name is. Oh, Stephen, of course. And then the guy was like, oh my God, he knows who I am. I feel so special. And then the guy proceeded to watch Jeff Goldblum work the entire room and be introduced to everybody and always go, oh, of course. And I just thought that was so charming. I mean, I guess he is fully lying, but it's so charming. And it's a great way to say it because I'm a huge fan means nothing. You're not a huge fan of somebody just because you know their name. And also, as an adult, how many people are you really huge fans of? You're a huge fan of Shawn Mendes? Give me a break. If you do have something specific to say, that's different. Maybe some sort of personal connection. Maybe a comment on, oh, if you want to, if anybody wants to, like, seduce a celebrity, here's what you do. Not that I endorse dating celebrities whatsoever, and I certainly don't plan on it. But if anybody else needs a tip, here's what you do. You figure out what their passion project was. You figure out what the album or the movie or the TV show was that they were just so into and giving interviews about how much it meant to them. But then it ultimately ended up flopping. Everybody has one of those. You bring that up. You go... That movie where you played a, a World War I veteran who learns to love? Oh, it's one of my favorites. And then they'll love you. It's the same principle as asking a successful person what they do for fun. Have them talk about something that they want to talk about but that nobody ever brings up to them. There you go. Use that responsibly. Next, after high school, you're not allowed to be a birthday diva. You can't use the day to make unreasonable demands on people. You're growing up, so grow up. Oh. Oh. I don't want to hear about a birthday week. I don't want to hear about a birthday month. You get a day. Who are you? It's my birth week. Who the fuck are you? And why should I care? I didn't give birth to you. By the way, we should really just be honoring our mothers on our birthdays. Why is it about us? Our mothers were in labor for hours and hours after nine months of, like, having swollen feet and peeing their pants. They had to push a person out of them, and now it's like, this is my day, bitch. This is my day. Because 20-something years ago... I was pushed out of a canal, and I was all dirty, and I cried about it. Ugh. That's all you did? And you want to you wanna order a cake over it? I mean, I celebrate myself on my birthday, too. But in principle, we should be celebrating our mothers. Yeah, don't be a diva. 
not everything has to go right. Not everything has to be perfect. It's just a birthday. I'll come to your dinner. I can take a million pictures of you for your birthday Instagram post. I am willing to do that. You can even wear a, a birthday tiara from Claire's as an adult. And I won't judge you too hard. It's your birthday. Sure. Sure. But don't get crazy about it. Because being a birthday diva, it's like being a wedding diva, but worse. Because at least your wedding, you only have like one or two or three or four of those in your life. A birthday, you have one every year. And you want to enforce a strict dress code at your birthday party? Give me a break. It's a birthday. Next. It's perfectly fine to walk through someone's scene, whether it's Marty Scorsese or someone filming an Outfit of the Day TikTok, they don't own the sidewalk. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Especially in New York. Who are we kidding? There's a million people walking. I'm not going to cross the street just because you're filming a movie that I'm not going to watch. When I was doing, I was doing um, a little internet show with the post and me and my co-host would sit on a stoop and talk about stuff the people who lived in that building with the stoop we were sitting on they were so hesitant to walk in front of the cameras and i was like walk walk we're filming a silly little video for the internet you're trying to get into your home like it's new york you're allowed to walk wherever ruin the shot we'll film a new one I also, oh, you know what I hate? Is when people do those like outfit of the day TikToks or something like that and somebody walks by and maybe glances at them and they're like, okay, literally just film this and this person is obsessed with me. Like I'm actually scared. This stranger just looked at me while I was twirling around on the sidewalk in a tutu and a crop top. I am spooked out. They are such a hater and or they want me so bad. Please. Ch uh, come on. They just think you're doing something weird because you are. And that's fine. But don't be surprised by somebody looking at you. Okay. Ask how much everyone pays in rent. It's not a big deal. New York is expensive, impossibly so. Median rents hit unprecedented highs in 2022, and a slow come down from the summer peak has done little to improve things. In this kind of market, talking about what we pay to live here isn't rude. It's more like asking someone how they managed to survive a bear attack. Girl, the one time in my life, and I should, honestly, I should start asking people how much their rent is far more often. It should be a question that everybody is willing to answer, and it's crazy that it isn't. But this one time I asked a friend of mine, I was in her apartment, and I was like, oh, what do you pay for rent here? And she goes, well, that's personal. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I mean, that's her right, but it's also my right to be like, excuse me? <laughs> I'm already in here. If I'm in someone's apartment... I'm looking around. I know what neighborhood it's in. I know how much the apartment costs, like, at least to the thousand. It wouldn't kill you to elaborate. Especially in a market like this that's so terrible. People need knowledge on these sorts of things. We're in the same market. We should know what's up. 
It's like telling your coworkers how much money you make. You should be open with it. Um, go easy when asking young people about life after high school. Asking a teenager where do you want to go to college can raise a host of sore subjects they'd rather avoid, including their own self-worth and family net worth. We asked a group of high-stress high school students what to say instead. They included, what are you thinking about life after high school? And what are you most excited about when thinking about college? And the more direct but all-inclusive, what are your plans after high school? Oh, don't, these young people, they've been through enough. They had half their high school experience over Zoom with teachers who required them to keep their cameras on. They've been through enough. They don't need those Thanksgiving family questions. They're in high school. They don't know what their future holds. You're an adult and you wouldn't even want to be asked that question. That's crazy that we ask that to young people who are the least informed of what they might be doing in the future. What grown adult wants to be asked at dinner what their five-year plan is? That's crazy. That is so rude. We've all had those experiences with people who just want to know what we're doing next. Where are we going to college? What are our career plans? When are we going to get married? This, this, this. With those kinds of people, don't become that kind of person. I say don't even ask, what are your plans after high school? Ask them what they're interested in. Who has plans? Nobody has plans, and they shouldn't. Next, don't post in the manner of an influencer if you're not one. Social media has familiar formats because they accomplish goals. YouTubers flash a peace sign and sign off with, don't forget to like and subscribe, because it works. But they're business people. You're actual people. Sound, imagery, and text are your palette for self-expression. Why not use these platforms to find out how you communicate best instead of borrowing from everyone else? That absolutely, I would add, don't call yourself an influencer. Don't call yourself an influencer. I don't want to see that in your social media bio. If you are an influencer, which you shouldn't be proud of, then I'll see that on your feed. Being an influencer is not something that you want to law of attraction manifest and write in a journal a million times. I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer. No. The only appropriate time to call yourself an influencer is if you really are, first of all, and if you need to say that for context. If you're like, I was at this event and there were a lot of other influencers there, that's fine. But even responding to what do you do for a living with I'm an influencer, girl, lie, lie. Say you work in marketing. If you've ever done a brand deal, then technically it's true. Can you imagine if I was running around town introducing myself as a TikToker? So those are the etiquette tips that stood out to me. I also want to talk about, as we touched on with a couple of those, I want to talk about dating apps. Because I've been seeing lots of talk, a few little think pieces about niche dating apps. And are they the solution to all of our dating app woes? There are a few out there. One, like, matches you by music taste. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. Meet a man who listens to goddamn Phoebe Bridgers? I'd rather not. There's one for dog lovers. Okay. And there's one for, like, casual sex and polyamory which I will not make a comment on. 
But everybody's like, oh, this might be, this might be it. This might be the solution. Is this the future of online dating? No. Absolutely not. Are you crazy? Do we really, as a society and as individual thinkers, do we believe that the problem with dating apps is that the people on them, they just aren't the type to to download the woof woof app for dog lovers? Do you really want to date someone who's in a place where they're like, well, guess I'll download a niche dating app. That's where I am right now. Is that really the partner you want to have? I don't even care if I like the idea for the app, which I don't with any of these. But what about the people on them? You know what I mean? Like Snapchat. Oh, that's a cool idea for an app. But who the hell wants to communicate with somebody who's on Snapchat? Nice idea. I will very much pass. And when is this dating app bubble going to burst? I've been waiting. I've been waiting. There are too many dating apps. Everybody's trying to start one. I've met at least three people who have started their own dating apps. That is too many. And now they're all What's ironic, they're all trying to solve the problem of dating apps with a dating app by being like, oh, these are too shallow. I'm going to invent an app where your picture is pixelized. I saw this on the Drew Barrymore show because, of course, your picture is pixelized. And then the more you talk to the other person, the clearer your pictures are to them. It's like oil companies being like, we're going green. We're sustainable. You know what would differentiate you the most? You know what would do the most good? Is if you didn't exist. If you want to fix the problem of dating apps, delete them. Delete them from the app store. There you go. And if you are someone, maybe a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, who's like, I want to fix this dating app culture, don't start a goddamn new one. Open an old school singles bar. That's a free idea. Open a bar that has a sexy ambiance, but not a lot of seating, so it's not a good date spot, and people can just mingle. That's how you fight against dating app culture. Not by creating niche ones. What, so my friends can complain to me? Oh, I I tried the dating app for people who love to watch reality TV, and it isn't working out for me. I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to say to any of you. Speaking of reality TV, I want to briefly discuss this because I tried to watch an episode of The Bachelor. This is a very media-heavy episode, by the way. I'm talking articles. I'm talking The Bachelor. And I don't have a ton to say about it because I got about um, 25 minutes in. But to be fair, that first episode of The Bachelor is a feature film. It's like an hour and a half for one episode of reality TV. Okay, let me tell you, the reason I tried to watch it is because I accidentally, in my defense, stumbled upon a clip of it on the internet where The Bachelor is, he's like giving a toast and he's like, I'm just a guy who likes football, family, and frozen pizza. And all the girls were like, yes, slay. And I 
just had to witness that for myself. I did not get to that point. I did not have the patience for it. It was just too... I, I just felt like I was losing my mind when I was watching it. I felt like I was in some other world where these things happened. But it starts with a very long montage, or preview, I guess, of this bachelor. His name is Zach. He looks like Perez Hilton. Okay, he's handsome, but about as handsome as you can get when you look like Perez Hilton. But it starts with just this montage. It's him making out with 36 different girls. There's one shot of a woman in this red, like, Baywatch one-piece swimsuit rubbing romaine up and down his back. Maybe I imagined that. I didn't really rewind. I'm pretty sure I saw that. And then in the preview, of course, there's a clip of him being like, I think I'm in love with two people at once. Which we all know only happens in movies. It's hard enough to fall in love with one person. I haven't gotten there. I've fallen in love with zero people, let alone two at once. But then the host starts giving some fun facts about Zach that really aren't fun at all. One of them was like, Did you? You might think you know Zach, but did you know that he was a DJ in college? Who? What kind of hinge prompt? I know that guy. On hinge, he works in private equity. All of his pictures are blurry, except for his, like, professional headshot. And he's like, I bet you didn't know I was a DJ in college. Which 100% means that he played Drake through a Bluetooth speaker one time at a frat party. That's not an interesting fact. Be a DJ now. That's interesting. As an adult, it's not interesting in a good way. But it's something to work with. We meet the girls. They're all the same. Needless to say, as all these people are. It's montages of them skipping around on beaches and riding horses and smiling at trees with a voiceover by them being like, I have a big heart and I'm not just looking to have fun. I'm looking for a real commitment. I date with purpose but I do love to be silly. You would think with reality TV that one of the producers would be like, say something fucking crazy. Say something insane. Tell them about that crime your father committed in 2006. But alas, we hear about how ready they are for commitment on a show where the end goal is to get married. So thank you so much for that. And the last part I watched was when the girls were getting out of the limo at the hideous house that looks like a cheesecake factory and going up to the guy and being like hi it's so nice to meet you i'm so glad you're the bachelor zach i wouldn't be here if the bachelor wasn't zach who works in tech and was a dj in college that's the only man i want but they do when they introduce themselves to this man they do like a little regional theme, like, I'm from Chicago, so I brought you this deep dish pizza. I'm from Boston, so I brought a demon from hell. And my favorite girl, she was from Vermont. And she gets up there with a little thing of maple syrup, and she's like, Zach, honey, I'm from Vermont. 
Vermont. And in honor of that, I would like you to take a sip of this maple syrup I have here. And he takes a little sip, and he makes a bit of a face. Fair enough. Maple syrup is very sweet. It's a bit of an overwhelming thing to take an actual sip of. But she, cut to the confessional, she's like, he did not enjoy that maple syrup. Oh my god. Now I'm just the girl who made him drink maple syrup that he didn't enjoy. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Why did I do that? There are two separate confessional clips of this woman being like, why? Why did I bring him maple syrup? These other girls are doing clever, fun things, and I'm the girl who brought him maple syrup. As if he cares. He's probably, it's reality TV, he's probably blackout drunk and doesn't remember anybody's name. Which is perfectly appropriate. Anyway, that's when I gave up on The Bachelor. Maybe I'll try to watch more of it and do a little update, because you know what the world needs more of is people discussing The Bachelor on podcasts. That's what we're missing. We need that, and we need more dating apps. That's what I think. But anyway, let me answer a couple of your advice questions. If you have one for me, DM at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod. But here's a good one that I feel we can all relate to. How to stop being annoyed by everything people do. Oh, it's hard. I think we all have to accept, whether we're thinking about other people or whether we're thinking about ourselves, we should all be accepting that everyone is annoying. Absolutely everybody is annoying. You're going to be annoyed by absolutely everybody at one time or another. The question is, whose particular brand of annoying are you willing to tolerate? Because sometimes you get annoyed by people just because deep down you hate them. And it also might be sometimes you see yourself in people and that's why they make you so mad. I know when people, when I see my friends making mistakes that I've made, I get so mad. And this is why I get so mad about dating and the mistakes that women make. Not because I hate women, but because I hate when women make the same mistakes that I've made in the past. You know, when you just see somebody in a relationship and you're like, I've been in that situation before and she needs to stop this right now. Get out of there. He's an aisle stander. What are you doing? So sometimes you got to forgive yourself so you can forgive others or vice versa. If you get really mad at yourself, notice, oh, what am I thinking about other people? Am I judging them? Or sometimes it's kind of the opposite. Or sometimes it's kind of the opposite, where you're not getting annoyed by someone because you've been in their shoes, but because they just don't struggle with what you do. A little bit of a jealousy. I know when I'm worried about money, I get so annoyed by rich people. It drives me crazy. And it's not their fault that I don't have money. Unless they're really, really rich, then it might be their fault. But... When you're in a place like that, you get so sensitive to certain things. We've all been that person. We've also been on the other side where your friend is struggling with something. And then they're like, how dare you tell me that you went on a date last night? You know, I just went through a breakup. And then there's no real way to handle that situation. But what I'm saying is it happens. 
I guess just recognize your issues are not their fault. You might be going through it, but you're not going through it because somebody told you that they're having a really good day today. It's unrelated. Next question. How to have fun without making choices that drain you and make you sad for months. Like, how are you silly and fun while being somehow, quote unquote, healthy and sane? I'm just learning how. This is the lesson of my life. And the conclusion that I've come to is basically the advice that people have been giving me all along, which is that you shouldn't try to do everything at once. Baby steps. Baby steps. And people tell you that, but they don't really specifically tell you, like, you're still allowed to be a degenerate. Just change one thing. One thing at a time. Figure out what is most important for you. Because there's always going to be some stuff that you can, like, handle better than others. I know for me, I don't really notice a difference with much in my life if I'm, like, eating healthy. (laughs) And that's just my thing. It's different for everybody. But for me, I don't appear to be that affected by the things I put in my body. I'm pretty sure I could, like, take a gas station Viagra as a supplement every morning, wash it down with a five-hour energy, and my life would remain completely the same. That's just not something that affects me a whole lot. But figure out what affects you. Uh, You can keep, like, a mood diary, or not necessarily mood. It could just be, like, a health diary, like, how am I feeling today? What did I eat? Did I work out? Did I spend time with people? What kind of work was I doing? How did I spend my time? That sort of thing. And you might start to notice a pattern with, like, things that you can and can't tolerate. You might be able to handle drinking a bang energy every morning and not getting anxious. Maybe you cannot handle skipping hot yoga at all. I would also say, figure out what it looks like for you to be like fun and not on a violent downward spiral. Like, what do you want to start doing? And how would you specifically do that thing in a way that's very you? Maybe if you have to clean, but you're not really good at getting to that. Maybe you should buy like a maid costume and really get you into that mood. A little feather duster. I think that would motivate me. Have a little Amelia Bedelia moment. And what did she do? She was like knocking over a bunch of shit and being like, oh, I put the curtains in upside down. Actually, probably don't do that. Why did I say that? I'm just doing like word association with maid and Amelia Bedelia, but shout out to her. But you can make things fun. If you decide, I, I'm done drinking, I can't handle it, I don't want to drink anymore, what you do is you find a signature mocktail, something good that people can make, and you come up with sort of a, a fun, little bit flirty line for when people ask you why you aren't drinking. Oh, and here, speaking of drinking, this is a good boundary that I've set for myself recently that took me a while to get to. I am no longer drinking when I'm sad. I'm not doing it anymore. It does feel like the right thing to do to like sit at a bar alone and like get a drink and wallow and feel like you're in a movie. But speaking of movies, I heard Reese Witherspoon in a movie. That one where weirdly she was in a love triangle with Paul Rudd and Owen Wilson. 
But she was like, I don't drink when I'm in a bad mood. I drink to celebrate. And I like that. Because it took me a lot of times, a lot of trials of drinking when I was having a horrible night to realize it doesn't make it better. It makes it far worse. Alcohol is just one of those things. It'll just amplify whatever you're feeling in the moment. If you're feeling like you want to have a little celebration and dance, yeah, it'll, you'll have a better night with it probably. But if you're sad and you're using it to cope, oh, it's not going to end well. So that's an extra piece of advice to you. And for me as well, a little reminder that I'm done drinking when I'm sad. Over it. Happy drinking. So that's that. I don't really have any media of the week this week. I think I've talked about enough media. So I'm going to go clean my room with a feather duster. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye.